0: It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I want to talk to you today about living on the edge of whatever happens. Boy, I saw a lot of times we don't know what's going to happen. Even though we might be prepared, we got the right shoes on, we think. Or we, we've got, uh, you know, we think we got it lined out, then it's like something might come up and things change. But how can you be ready to live on the edge of whatever happens? The Apostle Paul was in jail. He was in prison in Philippi. And, um, you know, he didn't know... It, when he was going to be released he didn 't know what was going on they didn 't have a a nice jail system this was um, you know this was dark dungeon type stuff. Nobody told him if he was going to see a judge or this person or whatever he didn 't know when he was going to get out didn 't know how long he was going to be there, but he was able to write a letter, and he was writing this letter uh, to the the Philippians there. And he was telling them, you know, hey, I want to I get out. <laughs> I want to come and visit with you and everything. And that's my plans. That's what I want to do. But in, you know what? I might not. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. In verse 27 of chapter 1 of Philippians, if you'll turn there, let's look at this for our text. As the Apostle Paul is there, you know, and he's telling them, this is my plans. This is what I want to do. This is what I think God wants me to do. And he says in verse 27, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You said, you know, but I don't know. But whatever happens, here's what you need to do. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Wow. Accepting life as it comes. How can we do that? By living in the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting God's providential hand. we got to do that. Father, help us today to be able to hear your voice through your word. Speak to us. Increase our faith. Help us to know that we have access to you Encourage us, Father. Uh, give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding as we look at your word today, and everybody said, "Amen, Amen. I like I heard one time So said when you can 't figure out the unfigure outable <laughs> and when you uh, d- when you don 't understand when you 're walking through a maze of confusion and you don 't understand what 's going on." But if you trust in God and His providence to you and lean upon the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're living on the edge of whatever happens. See, you can face whatever happens when you trust God and when you walk in the Spirit. He's our strength, right? We battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers in high places. You know, do you remember those old movies, uh, The Pink Panther? Remember how he'd have Cato hiding, you know, he'd be walking in and Cato would jump out and then he'd fight or, you know, supposedly to surprise him, you know. Well, Satan's kind of like Cato, you know. <laughs> You're walking along, he jumps out and he, you know, tries to take you down, you know, without you knowing it. And so, hey, whatever happened, you know, this is what I've got planned today, but whatever happens, I'm still going to be successful. I'm still going to be victorious. I'm still going to have a spirit of joy in my life and victory in my life because I can trust that God's got my best interest in mind. You know, uh, how do we go about doing this? How can we effectively live on the edge of whatever happens? I, I jotted down some notes as I thought about it, and I thought, you know, the first thing that you've got to do, you have to have it settled, is you've got to know that God is a good God. You've got to know that God's a good God, that He works for you that he 's the greater one, greater is he that 's in you than he that 's in the world. Turn to the book of Romans, and look at the chapter eight there 's a few verses that the apostle Paul writes they 're great words they 're encouraging words. I want us to read these ten verses or so verse twenty eight through thirty nine Most of us have heard or we 've used. Romans 8:28 a lot of times. That's the go-to verse, right? You go to the hospital and somebody's laying there and they don't know why they're in the hospital. And he says, well, you know, all things work together for good. You might want to back up on that verse a little bit. That might not be an encouragement, you know. I don't know about you, but I've been in a hospital bed before, hurting and not, you know, and, and unpleasant, maybe under still under the influence of anesthesia. I don't. You can ask my wife. I don't do good under the influence of anesthesia. I stood up in the bed one time and asked them why they had all these tubes and stuff in me. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I was under the influence of something. I, you know, I wasn't used to. But you know, you might be careful when you walk in and tell them, hey, look, you know, it's okay all things work together, they might know that, but they might not feel that. But we need to know it. We need to know it before we go into a situation like that, right? And so Paul begins writing in Romans 8 and verse 28, and he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now have we been called according to his purpose? Before the foundation of the world he created us. Uh, and Jeremiah says, I'm, God, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, plans to prosper you. And, and so uh, so we've been called according to his purpose. Now we've been called according to his purpose, whether or not we've been, we've heard the call and we're responding and walking in his purpose, that's a different thing. But So that doesn't apply. But if if you're called according to his purpose and you're living in that, then everything's going to work out for his, for good. Verse 29, for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the first among many brothers and those he predestined he also called. Those he called he also justified. Those he justified he also glorified. Amen. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know that today? Do you really know it? Do you know it in your knower? Are you assured of that? Because whenever whatever hits you, you need to be ready. Because we're living on the edge of whatever happens next. We don't know necessarily what's going to happen next, what's going to be thrown at us. But But one thing I can know, I can know that God is a good God. And that he cares for me. And then he'll turn everything to cause it to work for my good because I'm called according to his purpose. I can know that. I might not know what's going to happen an hour or so away, but I can know that my God is my help and he is my refuge. You know, uh, who else do I need to look for? So that's what he says. For we know that, you know, that if God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will, we not al- how will he not also? along with him, graciously give us all things. God, who uh, did not spare his own son, he gave everything he had. God, who gave his own son, uh, he says, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us all things? Hello? I think we've jumped past Romans eight thirty two too many times. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Who's going to bring a charge against you? What is the devil saying about you? How shall he bring a charge against you before God's throne? Remember in Job, when it says that, You know, all the angels came before the Lord to give a report, and here comes Satan along with them, you know, because he's there, he's the accuser of the brethren. That's why Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's there to be our advocate. He's interceding for us, and he's giving an account. He's there uh, pleading the case. He says, "Ah, my blood covers that. Oh, by the way, my blood covers that. I paid for that. I paid for it. Go on. How can he accuse you of anything? Because God's already taken care of it. That's what he says there in verse 32. It says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Say, he gives me all things. Say, he gives me all things. Say, God's for me. He's not against me. God's a good God. The devil's a bad devil. Actually, he's pretty good at what he does, but I mean, he's, he's bad, you know? God's good. Satan's bad. So we've got to realize, where does it come from? It's not coming from God. People aren't here today because they think it was something that God did or didn't do because he didn't care. God loves us. He loves you. He cares for you. He's got your best interest in mind. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? God's chosen you. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Who's condemning? It's the devil that condemns and brings condemnation. Then he says, he asks the question, he says Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to separate you from this love that was so great that he laid his life down for it? Nothing can separate you. He says, um, then he goes on to, to give examples as he asks this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He goes on this list. You know, Can these things separate us? Can it? What's your relationship with God? Where are you? Do you know that he's a good God? When these things come, does it separate you? You say, well, I guess God doesn't love me. If it does, then you haven't, You don't know that he loves you. It's not God that's doing it. It's not Christ that's doing it. It's us that step away because we're hearing the wrong voice. Jump to verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. All these things that come, it just shows that we're more than conquerors. In other words, I conquer it, but as being more than a conqueror, I'm like, whew, I'm glad that's over. I I don't got no more in me. No, more than the conqueror means I conquer this one. I got mo- I got a lot of mo. <laughs> Quote, Mister T. I got a lot of mo. <laughs> I got a lot- I can conquer that one and that one and that one. You know, the older I get, you know, they have that old that old song I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. That ain't more than a conqueror. That's just once. <laughs> you know, that's just once. <laughs> but if it's again and again and again, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody ought to give him praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 How do you live on the edge of whatever happens? First thing i got to know is God's a good God. God ain't doing this. He's working for me. He ain't working against me. When I woke up in CCU in October of 2013, and after they lost me three times, when I woke up, even though I had one of those things down my throat, I was shouting to as loud as I could shout, if God be for me, who can get be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Because I knew the Lord didn't put me there, but He was going to use me while, I, while whatever happened, He was going to get glory out of it. Hallelujah. God, you, so you've got to know that God's a good God. He works for you. And you know what? He can make the impossible possible in the impossible time. In other words, God can take nothing and make something. I mean, he took me. <laughs> I ain't nothing. But he, he can take nothing and make something. Paul says there in Philippians verse 27 whatever happens, whatever happens, whether it's, uh, you know, demons or angels or the past or the future or whatever, you know, none of these things are going to be able to separate you from the love of God. But whatever happens, if you get trials and, 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 and tests that come your way, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? It means I'm responsible for my conduct. Now, I need to know that God's a good God and that He's going to work for me and He's not going to work against me, that He's the greater one and that He loves me and and nothing can separate me from that. But I also got to then watch... My attitude, my conduct during this time. You know, we basically we read the gospel, we heard the gospel right there. That's the good news. The good news is, is that God loved us, that He gave His His only Son. It says God who, who gave His only His only Son there, who, who offered Him up, He loves us. That's the good news. So it says, conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel. Hmm. What is the what's that word gospel mean? Good news. It comes from the Anglo-Saxon word that means God spell, which simply means good story. Good story. It is a good story. It's applied to this is the best story. It's a good story. It's the story. It, It also means the story concerning God. That's good news. The story concerning God of how God loved us so much that he made a way for us to be part of his family. That before the foundation of the world, he saw us and he purposed us and he predestined us and then even when sin came into the world God then predetermined that he would give his son and, his, and that Jesus would pay the price for all this, the sin of the world and that whoever believed in him and accepted him would be accepted then into the family he predetermined all, that's good news the good news is nothing can separate me from the love of God isn't that good news? Man, I don't know. Y'all must not have lived like I lived. I tell you, I, if anybody could have been separated from the love of God, I, it had to be me. I sit in church. Well, it was actually a, a, a camp meeting, but it was in a big old uh, pavilion, concrete floor. I sit in back there on the back aisle and, and light a smoke bomb and roll it down the aisle and let it land right in front of the, the preacher that's standing up there. And here's this blue-purple smoke. Uh, you know, that was back in Jimi Hendrix days. Purple age, you know. <laughs> You know how good God is? <laughs> he didn't kill me and nobody else did. But what's amazing about that is years later I, w- I went on staff with that same pastor. <laughs> was on staff with him. Uh, Brother Tommy Scott, precious man. And and I remember sitting in a staff meeting one morning and I just had that funny, as I looked at him, I had that flashback. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> him standing, and I, I I was laughing so I said, hey, uh, did you ever think there was hope for me? He said, and I said, let alone maybe be on staff with you. And he goes, um, no and no. <laughs> That's how good God is. That's good news. Good news is that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. What he did for us is good news. Um, you know, the thing about it, it's not informative It's not just informative speech, it's performative speech, if you can say that. See, it's not just, he didn't just inform us, but he performed this word. He did it. Jesus came. He died. He gave his life for us. He rose from the grave. It's performative speech. The gospel, it's good news. And we're to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of this good news. So when this trial hits you and whatever happens, happens to you, and when it's happening to you, how are you going to conduct yourself in a way worthy of the gospel, the good news? So that, in other words, that that good news, this trial can turn into good news. This test can become a testimony. This mess can be a message, you know, that God can change it. How are we going to do that? That's where it takes time. Something to live on the edge of whatever happens because it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. How many Christians do we have in here this morning? How many real Christians do we got in here? How many of you had stuff happen to you? I mean after you got saved, you mean things happen after you got saved? More things happen after all. <laughs> but how many of you would could raise your hand and say, But but through that God can get the glory? God can get the glory? Wow. Wow. Amazing. The good news. The good news. The gospel. And we're to conduct ourselves in a way which is worthy of that good news. You see, here's the thing. Here's this good news. This story concerning God and, and what he's done for us, it starts back there in Genesis one one. Actually, it starts on the cover where it says, Holy B- Bible, Holy Bible. With the one guy said, "Oh, I got the Holly Bible." Anyway, it starts there, from cover to maps. It's all good news, right? What does he say in the very, very first verse of Genesis? In the beginning, of course, you know he's talking. I thought it was talking about baseball when I first heard it, with the World Series and in the big inning. You know, they they had a big inning there that one night. Okay, in the beginning, God what Created. created the heavens and the earth. Now, I like this part. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Hmm. Boy, you know, God looked over me, and here I am. I, I just, nothing. Without God, we're formless. We're void. We're nothing. Absolutely nothing because we're not over here into His purpose. I'm empty. If you're without Christ or you're living without Him in your life, you're empty. You're formless, you're empty, and darkness is all over you, all around you. In fact, it says that the kingdom of darkness holds those. He, and Satan doesn't like to let us go, but God has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness in Colossians chapter 1. The apostle Paul wrote, he took us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom he loves. He took us out of that darkness but without him, I, I'm empty, I'm formless, I, no purpose, I'm just a, a wandering generality over here, you know, just wondering, I'm just, you know, nothing and empty inside. And, and uh, on, in the deep of me, there's nothing but these, the waves and water of chaos just flowing through my life. And that's what's going to guide me and direct me and move me over here, just chaos but God looks on my emptiness, my nothingness, my darkness, my formlessness, and he speaks life into me. And he takes something that's nothing, and he makes something out of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, the devil, I've had the devil just say, you ain't nothing. And there was a time when I believed him. I thought, boy, that's right. That's right. Well, since I'm nothing, I might as well just get my best. That's what will cause you to roll a smoke bomb down the aisle of a in church and let it land in front of the pulpit. Man, I'm in trouble. This, I, this podcast is going out everywhere. <laughs> That's what nothingness will do to you. Well, if I'm nothing, then I might as well just live like nothing. Well, I got nothing to lose, right? If you ain't got nothing to lose, if you are nothing, you got nothing to lose, so to speak. Or maybe you feel like you're down to nothing, <laughs> God can take that nothing, and he can make something out of it. Amen. Hallelujah. If God can start off this whole universe, if he can start off with nothing and speak into it and establish the universe, the galaxy, if he can do that, he can speak into me and create life. Hallelujah. You might be here today, and you might think that you are nothing. Maybe the devil 's been telling you nothing, or maybe somebody spoke words over you saying that you would amount to nothing, but I, maybe you feel like you 're down to nothing, and, and everything 's been taken from you. but I, I want to tell you that uh, creation was was bought, brought into existence by God, and if he brought this cre- whole creation into existence, he can bring you out of whatever it is. Somebody ought to give him praise. Hallelujah. God can work beyond nothingness. How do you live on the edge of whatever happens? When I know that God lives beyond, goes beyond nothing. When I feel like I'm down to nothing, if that's whatever is happening now, then I say, well, that's okay. I can still step out here because God I can walk by faith. It doesn't have to be, there can be nothing there. Peter getting out of the boat. (laughs) Nothing has to be there, but I can walk on nothing because God is beyond. I don't think anybody's getting anything out of this church. Wow. Man. How can you just still have an attitude? How can you conduct yourself worthy of the gospel when you're down to nothing, when it seems like Satan has brought nothingness into your life. He's taken away everything because you can say, praise God, all that's gone. Now then, God can work. God's going to work for my good. Hauling stuff out of our house after the flood, boy, some of you can relate. You know, go, Darwin. I said, "What, what? How's it going? What, how, what's up in the house? Nothing in there." <laughs> well, praise God, Darwin. You're gonna get new stuff. Amen. New wiring, new plumbing, new AC, new walls, new floor. Hallelujah. See, God can, he loves for things to get down to nothing. Because when it's at nothing, there's nothing that can say, well, I did it or this did it or whatever. No, there's nothing there. The only thing that can change nothing is God. Oh. Hmm. I wish somebody could get excited about this good news. This good news. Amen. See, that's good news. That's good news to me because if you've if you never been down to nothing, you don't know what it's like then to be able to see God meet you at nothing. I've sat at a table with my children around and no food in the pantry. I told you my cream of mushroom soup story, right? I, always, you know, I, I was raised, I guess, in a middle-class family. Sandy so was too. Uh, we never had for want but didn't just have whatever I wanted. But, but I, I always remember cream of mushroom soup being in the pantry in the cabinet when I'm looking for something else. You know, the the chicken noodle or the whatever, you know. I don't know what that cream of mushroom soup's doing there, but it's always there. I think you just had to have it there. You know, when you read in the instructions on how to set up your pantry, you got to have it like cream of mushroom soup. (laughs) 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 When you wake up, One day, and there ain't nothing else in the pantry but cream of mushroom soup, I'm telling you, you're down to nothing. (laughs) And that's one day when I realized, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. We ain't got nothing but cream of mushroom soup. Whoa, things are getting serious around here. And sitting there, you know, when it's really, when you pray over your food and it's really serious... We took Timothy with us to Africa in 1999, and we were out in the bush, up on the in the mountain part, down in this little people. They asked us to come and have, you know, supper with them, and they these chickens running up and down that mountain. They caught one of them and they fixed it, and so we were first in line. So I took the pulley bone, you know, and Timothy he's hungry because I mean we seven thousand feet elevation, walking everywhere, and he's playing football that time. He grabs a. Leg. He grabs another leg, and and I look at him. And I say, Are you sure that's what you want?" Yeah, I'm hungry. He takes another leg. I says, uh, "You might want to wait if you're hungry. You might can you go back." No, I'm, I'll eat it, Dad. I'm hungry. Okay. We go sit down, and I'm eating my little pulley bone. You know, they don't cut them like that anymore. That's how, You know, I, and uh, he gets that chicken leg, and he goes, "Dad, what's wrong with this chicken?" <laughs> I said, "You didn't see it running up and down that mountain." <laughs> that and a couple of other places is when when we were praying over our food. He says, "He says this is where you really do have to pray over your food." <laughs> you know, we pray out of Thanksgiving, but there's sometimes you need to pray over it for like, "Oh, serious Lord, we're really serious now, Lord. It's you know, we need you to bless this." <laughs> for nourishment. <laughs> <laughs> he can take that nothing. And we were there at that point and we prayed. And you know what? I, I don't know. It wasn't too much longer doing something. Open the front porch of that trailer house we were living in and started to step out on the porch and here sat a box of groceries out there. Nobody rang the doorbell. Nobody said they were coming. Nobody knew we were down to nothing but God. And God he made something out of our nothing. Oh, if you ain't never been there, you don't know what living's all about. Hallelujah. Makes you appreciate some of the things that you got. You know, I never knew why my mom saved all the Cool Whip bowls and the... But, you know, they came through the Depression. They came through when there wasn't a Walmart down the street. There, there wasn't a Home Depot, you know. Dad had to keep bailing wire around. They didn't even have duct tape back then. I mean, that was bad stuff, you know. But, so they appreciated certain things, and they valued certain things. God values us because we were nothing, and he made something valuable out of us. Hallelujah. So how do you live worthy of this? It's it's appreciating what God does for us. I can live on the edge of whatever happens knowing that God's a good God. He's looking out for me. He loves me. Nothing can separate that. There ain't no trial going to come my way that's going to separate me and make me think that God doesn't love me anymore. Ain't something going to happen, in well, I'm not going to church anymore because God didn't do this for me. Wait a minute. No, not, God didn't do that for you. James says God is not tempted of evil, neither does he tempt any man with evil. You know, Satan's the one that brings the trial. God allows it to bring out the best. Satan brings it to bring out the worst. So conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel. That'll mess him up. (laughs) It's hard to say something else, but probably shouldn't. That'll really confuse him when he's thrown everything he can against you and you're sitting there saying, what, is that all you got? You've seen those movies where, you know, a guy turns around and goes, boom, and he hits a guy, and the guy stands there like, that's it? And he's like, oh boy, now I don't know what I'm going to do. That was all I had. I don't know what I'm going to do now. That's what I, I love. Those, I love it when the demons start backing up. Uh oh, we done woke him up. <laughs> yeah. If the devil don't know your name, well, something's not right. In this same book, Philippians chapter 4, this is the four by four scripture. When things get tough, Paul's writing this from a prison cell. I'm not talking about an air-conditioned cell with fluorescent light. I'm talking about a dark, dungy, stinking, mildew, mold-infested rat, you know, running through jail cell. And he says in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord Always. I say it again, rejoice. (laughs) Rejoice. How do you live worthy of the gospel? No matter what's happening, rejoice. He said, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let me read through this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. There you go. How do you live on the edge of whatever happens? By knowing that God's working for you, not against you, because in that situation, you can rejoice. I was a kid, I'd have a bicycle accident. I'd come in, my legs were bleeding. I'd try to hide from Mama because she'd get in the methylate or mercuricum. Which one of those was it that burned? They were both red. Well, it, it was methylate and mercuricum. We Only blood we knew was was ours, but I'm sure. It was. You know, did you ever having that? Oh, man, that stuff burns. And so, you know, you do want to... But she'd also pray for you while she was anointing you with whatever whatever it was, you know. And she said, well, just just, just, just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm a little kid thinking, okay, thank you for hurting my leg. <laughs> and it's burning now that my mother who's supposed to love me is killing me. <laughs> I'm thinking, what do I got to be thankful for? <laughs> what I had to be thankful for was it wasn't broken. <laughs> I went in the hospital with something doctor having to, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't understand what my mama was trying to tell me, you know, just, just praising, you know, like, huh? And I remember walking outside one time, we were, Sandy, Sandy was managing uh, 200 department units. I was working and building some houses in Jinx, Oklahoma, and I had my truck out there. It had all my tools in it, toolbox and all this stuff, lots of tools, lots of money. walked out there, I go, let's see. I thought I parked that truck right there. Okay, well, yeah, this is apartments. Maybe it was full, so I might have parked someplace else. I'm like, huh? No, that truck's not here. Where is that truck? Anybody ever have a stolen vehicle? It's a weird feeling, isn't it? <laughs> you get to looking for it, like, where did that go? Man, that was my dad had bought that truck brand new in 1966, and it was special. It was even different from then, and it was all fixed up, and you know, this is like 1983 or something, and it looked good. It just looked too good. Somebody needed it more than they thought I needed, I guess. And so uh, I thought about that, uh, oh man! And here's my mama's words. Well just praising, and I thought Lord, I get it. I can thank you in the midst of this. I can thank you that you're my supplier, when things are taken away from me, you supply all my needs according to it. your riches and glory. What I got to worry about, you're you're a good God. You didn't steal my truck. You're a good God. You're gonna give me another truck. Whatever I need, you're gonna take care of it. Lord, that brand new Schofield Bible that I just paid $85 for, that's sitting in the front seat, you just bless that Bible and you just let that whoever that is has got to let them see that. And, But I begin to thank Him. When I'm sick, I can praise Him. Why? Because He's my healer. When I'm down to a a couple of dollars, I can praise Him because He's my provider. See, I don't serve Him because He provides. I serve Him because He's he's the provider. I serve Him. and, And in the midst of that, He's the provider. I don't serve Him because He heals, but He's the healer. If he ever does, if he does or doesn't, whatever happens, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to live on the edge of whatever happens next because I'm going to know that my God's a good God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Oh, come on. I wish I had somebody to preach to this morning rejoice in the Lord always. He said, I'll say it again from this prison, from this stinking prison. I'll tell it to you again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to everybody. Don't get all upset and, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And all the sinners are coming around and no, just settle down. It's going to be okay. We're getting comforted by the sinners? The people that don't know God, they're coming around trying to calm you down? Are you serious? That's not no, that's no testimony. Conduct yourselves worthy of the good news. The good news is that God cares for you. Wow. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Well, Lord, I, I praise you that in the midst of this, you supply all my needs, so I'm just going to thank you, and I'll just take this opportunity to petition you right now for a new vehicle. Do you know that somebody gave us a car they didn 't even know about this. thing. gave us a car now it wasn 't a brand new car, but the car it was all gone through it was all everything was brand new under the hood and everything else and it ran great in fact, it was the car that got us to the hospital when our third daughter was born at two o 'clock in the morning when Sandy had a placenta previa, and they said that you know she wouldn 't make it and, and when you 're bleeding out that much you've got about six pints of blood, and when you 're losing one pint a minute. It's pretty serious, and that was the car that, at uh, 12 degrees outside on that January 16 morning, went out and hit that thing. And most of them go, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 uh." Uh-uh. Y'all don't, we don't know what 12. Y'all don't know what 12 degrees is. <laughs> Maybe Celsius, I don't know. <laughs> but it didn't go. It goes, okay, okay, <laughs> and started right up man. God supplied it. And you know what? It came in handy. It worked for us. Amen. He says and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. You might not understand why this is happening, but the peace of God that transcends all understanding, he says, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't know why it happened. I ain't going to blame you, God. But you know what? Thank you for your peace thank you for your peace. I've got peace in this. Anybody ever look at you, you're going to do this man, how come you're so calm? Well, I'm not worried about it. You're not worried about it? No. I mean, you know, God's going to take care of it. Really? And there it's out there. It's out there. Now they're going to watch to see if God does take care of it. Well, sure he's going to take care of it. Why not put him on? Why not say God's going to take, my father's going to take care of it. He supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Why not just tell somebody? If you believe it, why not? And then when he does, and, you're, and it's happening, they go, oh, and you're like, what, 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 what? You, you, you got that? And he, oh, yeah. We knew it was coming, right? I mean, we knew it was going to happen because God's going to take care of it. Finally, brothers, verse 8, Philippians chapter 4, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Why are we usually nervous and upset and anxious? Because we're thinking about, oh, what am I going to do now? Oh boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. Two cars get flooded out in our driveway, totaled out. I'm thinking, well, at least can I buy that one so I can have something to drive? Because I can't even rent a car. And you know, to rent a car, oh, yeah, you got rental. Okay, couldn't find a car to rent except for in Dallas. Okay, well, you know what? If we've got to go to Dallas to rent a car, I guess we'll go to Dallas to rent a car. When you get finished, well, you've got to bring it back to where you got it. Really? Okay, Okay. well, all right, well, and you only have seven days. Seven days? What's up with that? Well, if it was in the shop, we could, you know, you rent the car longer because you don't know how long it's going to take in the shop. But since it's totaled, you just get seven days. Okay, well, it's going to take me a day and so to get to Dallas and bring back. Why don't you just keep your car? don't worry about it. So what are you going to do for a car? Well, I don't know. Well, how about some good neighbors that let us use a car? You know, Paul and Debbie said, hey, you know what? Just drive this one. Praise God for that. Took care of our needs. And then what happened? Looking around for a vehicle. We got a better vehicle than we had. Praise God for that. I always wanted a Toyota Highlander, but I could never afford one. Well, God saved one in 2014. He selected that one and he gave it to these people to take care of it really good for me till I needed it. So that it wouldn't be all that much money; it'd be way below than what even he said it was supposed to be. And they took such good care of it. Looks like it's brand new. Well, thank you, God, for taking care of that for me till I needed it right now. Hallelujah! You know, let your let your uh, your moderation, let your gentleness be seen by everybody. Don't get so upset about. You know, he says, and think on these things. Think about whatever's excellent. Think on that. Don't be thinking about what's not. Well, it's probably going to break. Excuse, wait a minute. Give it a chance. <laughs> you know, that probably won't work anyway. What? Wait a minute. Why are we always going there? We always want to live in the what if. You know, we're walking. We're living on the edge of the what if. So we can't go into the future, so we don't want to go to the what-if land, so we stay back here, you know? And then, then we're living on the edge of, well, you know, if it hadn't been, <laughs> if it hadn't been for such and such, then I'd be okay. So we're stuck right here in this middle of nothingness of where we're not supposed to be. We can't go forward because what if? I can't, you know, I'm going to be stuck back here because of if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't be stuck, and here I am. Man, I, I want to just get out here and just walk on the edge of whatever happens next. Talk about an exciting life. Wow, w- what are you going to do today? <laughs> man, it's going to be fun. I can tell you that. Whatever, you know. I mean, I got my regular schedule, but boy, something's going to happen today. I tell you, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And when they find out some whatever happened, they oh, I can't believe that at oh, all. But man, i oh, just wait. God's going to do something good here. Like, what? They might think you're crazy. That's okay. The good news is God loves you. He's, he's got something for you. He can make the impossible possible. He loves to take the impossible and make it possible. I don't have enough time for this four-point message. I don't, that's only the first point. I'll give you this second point, and we'll talk about it next week, maybe. First way, how do you live on the Edge of whatever happens, you got to know that God is a good God, and He's going to take care of me. The second thing is, you got to realize who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Right. Jesus goes into Nazareth, and they said, "Isn't that the carpenter's son?" And his bro- his his brothers James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, isn't that it? and his is. Sisters, they're with us, right? That's Mary's son, right? That's Jesus. Who do people say you are? That's why he said, who do you say that I am? you got to know who you are. Whether they know it or not, you got to know who you are. Because when whatever happens, happens, I know who God is, but i got to know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. No weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. All those that rise up against me shall You better get ready. You're get ready to fall. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. All my needs are supplied through his riches in glory. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm predestined. He has set my life in motion. I am a child of God. So I can live on the edge of whatever happens. Because I'm a child of God. Giants fall. uh, Seas part. (laughs) Who are you? How do you live on the edge of whatever happens? Aren't you afraid of what's going to happen next? No. (laughs) Don't you see this cape on the back? (laughs) And this big red red S on my chest? Stands for saint. I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. (laughs) You know? David's standing out there and everybody looking like a, Little old David and great big Goliath. what they didn't see was it was really great big David and little bitty Goliath. Because God was on his side. When you know who you are, ain't no giant can take you down. Ain't no king can stop you with his armies. They get flooded away. You see, some people like to have titles because that's what makes them think they are something. Right? You know what I'm talking about? A title. See, the problem with a title is people give it to you. If people give it to you, people could take it away. I'll tell you something. <laughs> you got it. There's a difference in a title and a testimony. Right now, oh, I think I could preach a whole message on a difference in a title and a testimony. See, a title, somebody gives it to you. Well, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. There's an old song that used to say that. See, see, a testimony is greater than a title. Yeah, Pharaoh had a title. Moses had a testimony. Yeah. Goliath had a title. Oh, he's the champion of champions. David had a testimony. You see, the testimony took the title away from that one. Yeah, Haman, you remember in Esther, Haman, oh, the king appointed him, and everybody was supposed to bow down to Haman. Well, Mordecai said, I ain't bowing down to you, I'm a Jew. And so he, Haman says, well, find out who they are. And so he devised this plan of where all the Jews could be killed. And so Esther's a Jew, and so she didn't have a title like Haman did, but she had a testimony. I want to tell you, a testimony outweighs, the, I don't know if y'all getting this or not, Oh, here's King Nebuchadnezzar. He got a big title. He's the king. He's the man, you know. Well, here's Daniel down in the lines, then, and Daniel said, God says, That's okay, Daniel, just rest. I'm, we're working on a testimony here. See, because Daniel had a testimony, Nebuchadnezzar had the title. People, I want to tell you something. You can turn your test into a testimony, and nobody can take it away from you. <laughs> nobody can take it away from you. Every time that they would face something. They didn't go back and talk, talk about all the titles. They talked about all the testimonies. Oh, God is the God who parted the Red Sea. Didn't he lead us out? Didn't he do this? Didn't he do that? Yeah, that's a testimony. Testimonies stand forever. Titles, they fall. Hmm. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Well, when I didn't know that, Satan used to push me around. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Pilate, I think Pilate had a title. Yeah, he was the governor. Jesus, he had a testimony. In fact, Je- Pilate was trying to find out, what's your title, in? Uh, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, well, you say that I am. That's your title? I don't need no title. Why? He didn't need to answer him because I don't need your title. Jesus had a testimony. Let me tell you something, Satan's got a title. I got a testimony <laughs> satan's got a title but you got a testimony when he comes up to you who do you think you are devil who do you think you are you messing with me you messing with me oh man this is gonna be fun oh there was a time when i didn't realize that i remember at the time i was working for rock island railroad boy the devil had me scared My mama used to tell me about how many times the devil tried to kill me. Before I was even born, uh, she was going down the mountains of Oklahoma there. My three sisters in the car and at Studebaker, something happened. And she rolled that car down that mountain, down that mountain, down that mountain. Threw one of my sisters out, and the doctors were saying, Man, it's a miracle. Didn't know how come she didn't miscarry with me and all this stuff, and everything was fine, and rolled and rolled and rolled down, and nothing, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong, with, nothing's wrong with me. But she <laughs> rolled that car down. And, and so she said, it started then, and she began to tell me through my life how many times that the devil, the the devil with a title, tried to take me out with a testimony. Well, you know what? He just got a title. You got a testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God can take somebody who's sold out to him. <laughs> somebody who has no recognition, no refinement, no ah, you know, no polish on them, no titles, and he can establish that person and he can use them and he can make something out of them. Who are you? Who are you? You need to find out how people see you. You need to just ask them, who do you say that I am? And they say, well, you know. Because they'll see you. They usually see you how they need you. And there's some people you need to say, well, it's been nice knowing you. Because, you know, when you're t- living on the li- edge of whatever happens, there might be some people that can't go there with you. When Jesus was getting ready to go up onto the Mount of Transfiguration going to be transfigured, going to be a big display. Before he even got there, he had first asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Oh, they say you're going to give me all these titles. He says, but what about you? Peter said, thou art the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Spirit of God did. So when he went up on the mountain to be transfigured, who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. Why? Because they knew who he was. When you're going to be on your journey, the only people you need to include in your journey are those who see you for who you are. Oh, I, I better be careful there. I, I'm liable to get off on another message there. I'm liable to get off on another message. Who do people say that you are? See, when you're going to, if you're going to live on the edge of whatever happens, you need to realize that you're in Christ a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen. You know, you're not gonna live in the old, in the what if, and you don't have to be stuck in the in between because of what if over here. Man, you can know that, you know what, God's for me. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm a child of God, I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. My, that's my position. What's my potential? I'm gonna do greater things than He did. Oh, devil, you mess with Jesus. Do you remember messing with Jesus? I mean, come on. You don't remember messing with hey, he said, I'm gonna do greater things than he did. Hmm, think about it. The devil had me nervous. I was working for Rock Island Railroad. Man, there was time I was walking through one track, Neil, in the big old boxcar, the 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 door of the boxcar came boom, crashed down and hit another car with me, man. I was gone. Not in 60 seconds, it was less than that, man. I, I'm moving. I, you know, they used to have PF flyers. You remember that? When I was a kid, they had PF flyers and they had those rubber things on the side. I, I realized that that's to keep the sparks from setting your pants on fire when, you, when you're moving. I mean, I was moving. The devil had me nervous. I was afraid of what he was going to do. And, and it just, I mean, it was like, man, he's going to take me out. He's going to take me out. God just started to move in my life, changing me. And, and the devil coming around, and he was trying to slap me down, keep me down into nothing. And I'll never forget. I was. One morning I was praying, I was praying, and God began to tell me who I am. You're my child. You're going to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the evil one. You know, and he began to tell me who I was, and I remember getting up, standing up, and I slapped my hand down on that desk, and I turned around, and I said, Devil, you're a liar. Get behind me. And boy, from that time on, I hadn't looked back. I'm not afraid of him. I've seen him. He ain't that big a deal. You know, all that he pulls against us can't stop us because God's for us. I mean, people, God has elevated us. We are heirs and joint heirs with him. I'm going to stop there. We'll share the other two points later because I want to pray because I think that people, we're living in a crucial age. If not, this place would be jam packed. We wouldn't be tying ropes across aisles. We'd be tying around the door to keep people out and, and until we could get in here and make sure everything was done. I was reading and. Look at the stuff about the Azusa Street Revival at the turn of the century in 1900, 1901 on a watch night service in Topeka, Kansas, Sandy's great-great-grandfather and Charles Parham and some other people were gathered in this little room in this little Bible school and they were wanting something different and they were just so hungry for God and they'd been praying, praying, praying and God poured out the Spirit of God and they began, it began a revival. Well, it cost him something because got newspaper clippings back in 1903 of the police with Grandpa Foster with his hands behind his back, handcuffed, Them walking him out of the tent meeting, taking him off to jail because they let kids into their church service. That The judge gave an ordinance and said, don't allow children to come because you guys are crazy. you crazy. They're talking in tongues. Weird people, they're just crazy people. And somebody called from St. Joseph, Missouri, and said, our sons, they have given him no hope. They, there's no hope for him at all. They've left him to die, and we want to bring him. Will you pray for him? Grandpa Foster was thinking, well, the judge said not to let kids in, but he just got a title. <laughs> God's getting ready to build a testimony. He said, bring him on down. They brought him down in an ambulance, brought him into that service that night. Grandpa Foster got up there. Police are standing around at the back door. And he said, let's just all stretch our hands forward. God's about to heal this, this child. Laid hands on him and prayed. That kid, he kind of shook and sat up, got up and started walking. And the police started walking too. They locked ground, they put the handcuffs around him and started. Well, fast, first of all, people started praising God and they were just worshiping him, and people were speaking in tongues. And, and somebody said, The Holy Ghost is here. And Sister, whatever name, the, the black lady, one of the first ones that ever got filled with the Holy she said, And so are the police. <laughs> <laughs> And walked down and, and handcuffed Grandpa and took him off to jail. And you ought to see that picture. I got. A, I, I saw the, the old newspaper clipping of that. And he's walking out, looking up, just smiling, looking up, keeping his eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfector of his faith. Hallelujah! And then in 1906, a guy that came from Houston, Texas, William Seymour, and they wouldn't even let him in the Bible school back then because he was black. Charles Parham who had been in Topeka, Kansas with Grandpa Foster had come down this way and had a Bible school because uh, William Seymour was black he couldn't be in the same class so he sat at the door and he listened oh what they didn't know is he's the smartest one of all of them but he got it all and before long God called him to go out to Los Angeles, California. He'd never been to Los Angeles, California. So a lady sent some money for him to come. He went out there and he preached one week and they threw him out. I said, "Don't you ever come back." That's the craziest stuff ever. He was preaching about how God loved everybody—black, white, women, men—no difference—and that there's a the Holy Spirit was, was wanted to, people to be filled with the Spirit in this new language. Oh, you're crazy! You're crazy! Shut him out. After a week, he thought, "What am I going to do? No place to go. I'm clear out here, how many hundreds of miles away?" One family invited him to come and stay, and he just spent day, hour after hour, day after day in prayer, just praying and seeking God, praying and seeking God, praying and seeking God. Somebody asked about it. Oh, he's over there praying. They come. Can we pray with you? Come on pray. They pray and they pray. Somebody else, can we pray with you? Sure, come on and pray. Pretty soon it got to where everybody was coming, to that little house where that family was that let him stay there. And they were gathering around and, and they're just praying and they're just praying. So many people got there that the porch broke. They broke the porch down. They had to go down and rent this old building. had a dirt floor on 312 Azusa Street. People would come. It went seven days a week, 12 months out of the year. Three or four years in a row, people just coming. No scheduled preachers, just the Holy Spirit began to move. And now they estimate over 900, is it million? All over the world, they have spread all over the world from that one meeting, Topeka, Houston, Texas, Los Angeles. Excuse me, actually it was a little south Houston, Actually, it was closer to down here where we belong. Uh, in fact, if the Santa Fe Railroad goes through here, I think it was the Santa Fe Railroad that he took out. Let me tell you something. If God did it once, he wants to do it again. You know, why not just break out here? Why not break out here? You know, God sometimes just shakes a little bit and gets rid of those, those that doubt because he's saying, who do you say that I am? And those that... Don't that don't know who he is. They just need to go on because now those that are with you, they can't leave you. And that's when we need to gather together, people. We need to we need to seek God like we've never sought Him before. We need to pray like we've never prayed before, and get ready because we're living on the edge of whatever happens. Whatever happens. It's fine. God's going to see us through and He's going to turn this test into a testimony. He'll turn that around. People came from all around when that little boy got healed. Grandpa Foster, he's in jail just to make it easy. He said, they even feed you in here? Wow, that's pretty good. Just having a good time. Getting people saved in the jail. He said, i got a new jail ministry working now. Man, we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but you know who God is, that he's a good God, that He will going to work it for your good. You ought to know who you are, that you're a child of God, that no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper, that you're above and not beneath. You're going to survive this thing more than just survive. You're going to thrive on this thing. Let's pray together. Father, we need this revelation realized. We've heard it before. It's nothing new. But it needs to be fresh. It needs to be fresh for us. Father, that we'll look at the testimonies in our life and we'll realize that they're far greater than titles. Lord, if we ever needed you, we need you now. Sometimes we don't understand we're on that edge of whatever happens. We are walking around the wall. They didn't understand why they were to walk around the walls, but you told them to walk around the wall one more time. They didn't understand why they were standing at the edge of the Red Sea. Pharaoh was pushing in. Red Sea in the front and Pharaoh's army at the back. You were just waiting to work a testimony. Father, we might not always understand why we're in the place that we're in, but you did it back then. You can do it again. Father we trust you can you give it to him right now can you reaffirm today that you know who he is that he's a good God maybe you have thought he was an old man in a white robe up there with a big stick waiting to knock you out he's a good God if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your savior to establish a relationship with God the Father, you need to today. are you sure today that you're a child of God if you're not if you 're not one hundred percent sure wouldn't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, will you pray for me because i 'm not sure whatever comes my way, whatever comes your way you don't need to have second thoughts about who God is. you need to know who he is. Anybody here today maybe you're here today and you need to rededicate yourself to him and say, God, forgive me for blaming you for the things that happened in my life. I know you're a good God. I know you're, it's okay. I know you're going to work it out. And whatever it looks like right now is going to work for my good. It's going to be a testimony for somebody. Whether I see it or not, it doesn't matter. But you're going to turn this around. It's going to be a testimony. To, it's going to bring praise to your name. I'm going to live my life worthy of of the gospel. Let that be my testimony that was said of me. I'm gonna live my life worthy of the gospel. You are a child of God. You've been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. The old is gone. The new's come. Don't hang on to the old. Don't let the old hang on to you. Don't let it keep you back. Don't be afraid of what might happen. Because whatever is going to happen is going to happen. <laughs> Just live on the edge of whatever happens, knowing that whatever it is, God's going to take care of you. And you're a child of God. You're an heir and a joint heir with him. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just chill out. Gabe, can we sing that song you sang, that last song? you got that Where you could sing it. Maybe you could put the words up there if you could, that uh Whatever the name of that song was, but I like that verse. I don't remember seeing that, the words of that before. I'm sure we've sang it before, but I never paid that much attention to it. But as Gabe sings it, I want you just to worship the Lord. I want you to reflect upon yourself and the situation that you're going through. and might sing, sing it as well, but let's just let the Holy Spirit move on us as we worship this in, in this song.